You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Good Vibe University. Hey everyone, this is Jeanette for Good Vibe University, and I am so thrilled today to be hosting a call with the one and only Gina Gabellini. Gina, I don't think I can say your name without putting the one and only in front of it. (laughs) I am a huge, huge, huge fan of yours, and everyone who's ever heard me talk about my coaching practice and ever asked how did I create it successfully, you get the credit. I've been through... I've been through formal coach training programs. I've hired a wide variety of coaches for support in my business. But when people ask what made the difference in my creating success with my business, it was you, which is one of the reasons why I'm so excited for people at Good Vibe University to get some time with you. Um, Because believe it or not, I think there might be some who haven't plugged into you. (laughs) Uh, I have not. This is Cheryl, so this is exciting for me. (laughs) Right on. Well, Gina, why don't you go ahead and tell us, tell everyone about yourself. I know most of the people on this call are big fans of yours, but for those who are listening to the recording, I'll just let you say a couple of things about your background or whatever you want us to know and where we can find you online, of course. Okay, great. So I've been a coach for about 15 years. I was always an entrepreneur since the age of 20, and but I didn't know what I was doing when I was 20. I just wanted to be in charge, and I was kind of sassy. So I had my own businesses. I had no goals. I didn't really know about personal growth. I just thought I was living the life. <laughs> and I stumbled upon coaching, really, and went to Coaches Training Institute um, here in California, and I fell in love, and I fell in love with a new way of doing coaching. I had been doing coaching for a seminar company, and I thought I had it down. I thought, oh, yeah, I'm a, I know what I'm doing. And I was being kind of um, – my head was a little big when I went to the Coaches Training Institute, and I thought, yeah, show me something I don't already know. And they did. They showed me so much I didn't know. And I thought, oh, I have found the secret. I always wondered why when I was working with some clients, and mostly all of them at some point or another would just dig their heels in and be completely resistant to what they said they wanted. And I'm doing my cheerleading act, and I'm going, come on, come on, don't you want this? And they they said, yeah, and I don't, I don't want to budge. They were just paralyzed with fear, and I didn't know how to do anything to get them to move forward except for drag their little butts. And that didn't really work so well. They would end up getting the goal but they were seemed like they were tortured in the process. And not that I was torturing them. They were just in such deep fear and resistance, and I didn't know at that time how to work around it. So I learned a lot of great coaching schools um, at the Coaches Training Institute and started my love affair with coaching. And a few years into it, I met my now business partner. Um, we each have our own pra- coaching practices, and we have a business together called Abundance Abounds. And her name is Eva Gregory, and she turned me on to the law of attraction. I had heard through Coach U, uh, people who went through Coach U um, were talking about this, you know, attraction, attraction, attraction. I thought, what the hell is that? Attraction? What are these people talking about? And Eva said, hey, I know what they're talking about because I also went to Coach U and Coaches Training Institute, but I got something even better. 
going to introduce you to Abraham Hicks. <laughs> and uh, she handed me a cassette tape because there was no such thing as CDs in those days or MP3s. And I popped it in my car and I started listening. And they were talking about law of attraction and channeling. And I thought, okay, first of all, this is really weird that this woman is channeling. I've never seen or heard of this before. But, wow, this information's really good. Wow, this is so on the money. And I've never heard anybody talk about these sorts of principles in such a consistent way. And it blew my mind, and I wanted more. Even though I thought it was weird, I still wanted more because the content I knew was the truth. And at that time, I was in a mastermind with Eva, and we started playing around with the concepts with our clients. And we thought, you know, this is really fun. We should teach a teleclass about this. And we just did it for the fun of it. And the thing was, is people showed up and they wanted more, and we started a class around it. And at that point, it really, my entire coaching practice was based on law of attraction. I couldn't do anything but. Um, even though I still loved business, I still loved all sorts of topics and was very passionate about personal growth, I thought law of attraction has to be the bottom line. It has to be the foundation of everything I coach. And from that point forward, it, it was. And then until about a few years ago, I was still, I would call myself um, a law of attraction coach, a life coach, you know, whatever whatever issues you got, you know, I'll coach you on them. But a few years ago, I really decided to focus all my energy on business coaching. So that's what I do. Law of attraction is still at the bottom of everything I do. It is the foundation because, if, you know, obviously if you don't have that in place, none of the regular rules apply. You know, mm -hmm. anything else that we talk about in business or to do with money or health, all that there's a million strategies out there, and if we don't lay the foundation of law of attraction, those strategies mean diddly. They don't mean anything. Mm -hmm. So where I'm at today is enjoying the heck out of my business, and you can find out more about what I do, and there's tons and tons of articles there. There's all sorts of resources. If you go to masterpiececoaching.com, and peace is spelled P-E-A-C-E, -E, like inner peace, masterpiececoaching.com. Thank you, Gina. I have to tell you, it is really hard for me to imagine a time when you weren't walking and talking and breathing law of attraction <laughs> that Eva introduced it to you. That's just such a surprising thought for me. Um, so when you when you are working with your clients, with your business clients, I'm just curious, are you introducing them to law of attraction or are they already on board and they're coming to you specifically because they know your work is founded on it? I think there's a little of both, but these days, I'd say, especially since The Secret came out, it's it's a blessing. At first, when the, the movie and the, the came out, The Secret, I thought, they did not ask me. What is the problem? Why am I not in that movie? Hello. <laughs> I saw people in there who weren't who didn't teach law of attraction. I thought, this is just plain wrong. <laughs> Later, I thought, well, there's a few benefits to it. But one of the main benefits were now now Law of Attraction was out to a whole different segment of the market, out into mainstream public, because before it seemed as if um, it was just these little tiny pockets of people who knew Law of Attraction. So now people kind of know about Law of Attraction just in general. I think about half the people come to me because they know that work, and a lot of them don't. They just resonate with my story and they they are putting out fires in their business and they're trying to run around crazy and they just want relief so mm -hmm. the law of attraction is still something new but i think even those people are more open these days i think i mean i always taught law of attraction even when you know people didn't know what the heck it was and i, I would use it with ceos of companies 
And even though it, I was, I was still always a little nervous. Like they're going to think I'm whacked when I introduce this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, CEO, we're going to put you into a visualization right now. We're going to put a magic wand in your hand, and you can ask for whatever you want. And I'm thinking, okay, they're either going to hang up right now and say I'm out of here, or they're going to dig it. And in the end, they always dig it, and they they say, wow. You know, this feels great. I don't do this in my normal day-to-day life, but it's nice to just take time and try to feel into my vision rather than being a man on a mission all the time. Well, you have definitely paved the way here. I think you, I mean, you were you were one of the first ones who was being out loud about this, which is, that was one of the reasons I was attracted to you because it did feel like this was very underground. It was very much on the down low. And then I ran across you and you had newsletters talking about it. Like, this was real, this was happening, and it was really nice because Abraham had really been the main source of me, of my exposure to this material beforehand. So to hear a real live person who wasn't channeling talking about this made it so normal. So I was very, very excited to run across you and then to work with you personally. Like I said, it was life-changing. So, so today we're talking about the real recipe for success and wealth, right? Yes. All right, well, where do you want to start us off with? Okay, so just everybody know that I'm just making this up on the fly too. N- not not the content, the content's all in my head, but the flow of it. And I just thought that we would just really source anything that needs to be said that it will come out. But okay. when I said the real secret, I, I, what I had in my head is the that success, whether it's you own your own business or you are working for somebody else is to understand that success is not based on how much you produce, um, how many things you check off the list, um, how many people think what you're doing is great and not the amount of money you put in your pocket, but to really enjoy what you're doing and be able to set your own milestones for what you want to accomplish. That would really bring you joy. And then I always say, and Jeanette, I don't know what you've told these people, but even if you told them a million times, I think it's still great Mm -hmm. to hear that the best way to make more money in your business is to actually keep money out of the business equation. It doesn't mean don't focus on it because, personally, I love money. I like to talk about it. I like to make it. I like to strategize around it. It really is exciting to me. I love to spend it. And... But it's to keep the like if you were to say business is over here on my left hand and money is over here on the right and I still keep a focus on both of those things I just don't keep it all in one big bowl. It's not it's not a, it's a recipe for disaster if you don't have a clean vibration for each separately. It's only when you have a clean vibration for them separately that you can bring them together and it will be a beautiful marriage. You know, I think one of the reasons you can say that with credibility, too, is because you don't have anything against money. I mean, the fact that you're a big fan of it, for you to say that means a lot. I think people hear that better. Yeah, and and, and I'm still not totally 100% at peace if with my money vibe. And there are still times when I say, keep them separate, Gina. You're getting hooked. You're getting hooked. <laughs> I'll I'll want that money or I'll want to, I'll, you know, equate leveraging my time to more money and I'll get real hooked about the way I think it's got to be and the program I'm going to introduce or the way I'm going to do it. And if I start noticing that I'm not getting what I want, I get, you know, a little uptight and I start, oh, okay, what can I do to strategize? And I think, okay, wait a second, pull the reins back, relax. You can have your money. And that's fine, Gina. Just know that the money's going to come. And when you're focused on business, be in the joy of whatever you're producing and leave it at that. 
because right if on. you stay in that joy, the money is going to come, and most likely it'll come a whole lot easier if you're not attaching what you're doing in your business. You're not attaching a, a dollar amount to it. And so I don't for mean, pe- go ahead. For people who are confused about thinking their joy comes from money, how do you coach them around that? Well, because I heard you when you said, look, success is not based on your pro- productivity or the money or the approval that you get from others, but it's it's based on joy. It should be founded on your enjoyment of your business. But for someone who thinks, well, I would enjoy what I was doing if I was making any money, that they feel like money is such an integral piece of it that turning their focus away. Yeah, it's reminding people that, okay, let's pretend that even though our the way that we interact here in the United States is in order to get, usually get a service, unless we're bartering, we need money for it. If we want to go to the grocery store, we're not going to go, you know, trade something for the groceries. We actually have to give them money, at least in most cases. So if I can remind people when we're looking at law of attraction, you can still have all the stuff and the services and experiences you want if you can understand that you actually don't need money for those things, then you probably will get the money. Mm-hmm. But, for instance, I was, you know, the best story I know how to demonstrate it is, is one of the things I used to visualize all the time was I, I wanted my own private jet to jet around whenever I was going to go speak because I, even I would talk about when we were going to fly somewhere, whether it was for a conference or we're going to go do a retreat or we're going to speak somewhere, what a pain in the butt it was to go through the the airport, this was even before 9-11, and now it's gotten even more crazy. You know, everything takes a long time, and I don't like to wait for stuff. So I thought, oh, wouldn't it be great? And so we would both talk about, yeah, we'll just have our, our pilot. They'll be waiting for us. It will be local. It'll be so fast. We can go anywhere we want and be back really quick if we want. Well, I just I didn't care that much about it. I just thought it would be cool. I didn't, wasn't sitting here thinking in my office every day about my private jet. It would just be a fleeting thought every once in a while or whenever I'd have to hop on a commercial plane. I thought that would be cool. And then I met my now current mate about seven years ago. And what did he have? He had an airplane and a pilot's license. <laughs> I thought, well, in this convenient. <laughs> now, I didn't have to go buy my jet. Now, granted, it wasn't the plush you know, the plush jet where I could kick my feet up. It was a two-seater plane, and I only had room for, you know, this is the terrible part, I only had room for one suitcase, so I really had to turn <laughs> And when we would go shopping when we were somewhere, he said, Gina, you can't buy something big. I don't know how you're going to think you're going to fit that on the plane to take it home. I said, we clearly need a bigger plane. But I did source the plane, and I didn't have to pay for it, and it didn't take money to do it. It was great something story. that was a, a fun thing, and I attracted it because I really wasn't attached to it. That's the key, isn't it? Yes. So we don't have to have the money. If we just remember there are all sorts of ways to pull the things we're wanting into our experience, and then, of course, we will be generating the money as a result when we really become unattached to the money and keep it a fun game. All right, and the, and the trick to getting unattached, for, for people who are on board with, all right, that's the key here that – um, it's because I have a charge on it or an attachment to it that's keeping me from it. What's the best way for someone to go about unhooking? I think if you can remember that you're in control, at least this is what works for me, and I notice when clients finally get it, it, it ends up working for them and it takes some practice. We all think that, oh, you know, I've got to hunt the money down. Mm-hmm. I've really got to, I've got to be better at this. I've got to strategize. I've got to do all this inner work. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And we start working really hard even at the law of attraction, trying to get on hook. 
So when I find myself spinning in my head, I will just do something crazy to take charge. I'll stand up and shift to shift the energy if I'm sitting in my office kind of getting worked up about money or thinking about expenses or something's costing too much and I want to keep the expenses down and I'm like Mm. doing that head spinning thing like, oh, this is going to end up costing me more than I thought. This just happened to me the other day. I'm in the middle of creating a home study course and I thought that it would just be, you know, three, five hundred dollars to do the editing on this project of the audio. Well, I'm already at that and I'm only into the second audio. I've got three or four more to do and I thought, and my, the gal doing it says, Gina, this I'm loving this. This content's so good, and this is a really big project. I said, you're scaring me. How big? Where are we at with this right now? And I said, <laughs> okay, so this is going to end up costing me more than I want. So what? You know what? I'm going to make more money on this than I ever thought possible. So this is going to be a drop in the bucket. I don't care if it's a few thousand dollars. That's more than I thought. But the truth is, is the amount of money I'm going to bring in on this is going to wipe it out. The difference I'm going to make, I'm going to change people's lives. And I'm saying this stuff out loud with authority, taking control, almost like a demand to the universe. And Mm -hmm. that's, I think, what sometimes what it takes to remember to get unhooked from the fear, because that's what you're really doing. You're getting unhooked from that place of lack. Well, that's definitely what what you helped me do when I would have that fearful thought about, "Uh uh-oh, this coaching thing isn't going to work, I'm going to have to get a job. And you taught me to turn that around and give universe much more empowered instruction about what it is that I wanted. So, yeah, that has been very effective. And I think that's easier for someone to practice who has some sort of belief in law of attraction or at least belief in the coach telling them to practice this one way or another. For those who are still kind of, I don't know if this works or not, that doubt or that that fear that's flowing in the background I think can um, trip them up sometimes. Yeah, well, you know, if we can remember that, because I used to, there was a, I was so grateful for the law of attraction when I stumbled upon it that it took a good two years to just completely trust it. Because there were times where I thought I so wholeheartedly believed in it, and I didn't know anybody else in my life besides Eva who did, mm-hmm. that I felt like, am I being silly? Am I going to die? <laughs> and they're, when I get to heaven, they're all going to be laughing, going like, you think that was true? <laughs> You fell for that hook, line, and sinker. And what I thought was, you know, so what if it ended up being not true? At least I feel so much better and I'm having a good time. Otherwise, I'll be a stress case if I don't believe in this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so imagine just taking charge just to make yourself feel better. Even even if you don't fully believe that this can happen for you, won't it feel better to feel like you're in control rather than feeling like oh. it's a hunt and you're like, the person with no instructions and everybody else knows how to do it and you're the only one that didn't get the instruction book? <laughs> you know, sometimes I'll sit in the car and I'll say, universe, bring it on. I want to see some money, baby. Come on, give me some money. And my <laughs> my my son was in the back seat the other day and I did that. He said, Mama, are you on the phone? <laughs> <laughs> no, honey, I'm talking to the universe. How cute is that? How how old is your son? Your oldest your he's two and a half and then I have a six month old. I am that's one of the questions I wanted to ask you today is because I cannot tell you how many times I feel like I've got my hands full just with some cats and dogs here at the house. <laughs> In fact, there's a foster kitty running around the office like uh, like he's crazy this morning. Um and I don't know how women with children do this. Like that, that's I have an enormous limiting belief. If I ever had kids, I would have to call you for some coaching around that. But are you having it all, Gina? 
am I having it all? I am still adjusting in many ways. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me was when I first had the, my first son, I was delusioned because I had another girlfriend who was a coach who had had a, a baby and it was an unexpected baby. And she, she told me, and this is, I had never talked to anybody else about it because I liked her story. She said, Oh, I just coach and I would, you know, rock the cradle by, you know, by the office, uh, by my desk and the baby would go to sleep and I'd just do my coaching calls. My clients were cool. And I thought, okay, that's what I'll do too. Well, when that baby came, I said, what the hell was she talking about? The baby cries. I have to breastfeed. I can't do all this stuff while I'm on the phone. And I, this was the first week I took no maternity leave. I didn't take time off because I just thought I would be coaching and I would be racking the baby. That was such a lie. And <laughs> I called my mom when she got home. My mom happened to be on vacation that first week, and I thought, I need help. I said, Mom, I don't know what I was thinking. She said, Gina. I I was wondering what you were thinking. But, you know, you get so headstrong about these things. I thought, okay, she knows what she's doing. She's gonna, she'll be able to pull this off. So at first, I was I was in a lot of resistance. I thought, I don't, how am I gonna do this? It's not that I worked a lot before, but I could work whenever I wanted before I had children. Um, and I thought, a baby, you can't. You have to, you know, there's obviously things that you have to do. So it took me a good six to nine months, I'd say, before I actually got clean uh, in, my, in my thinking about I can, I, will, I can do whatever needs to be done. There will be a time and freedom to do it. Hmm. So if not right now, time will, and space will open up before I need to get this thing done. Right so I did source my mom. Um, coming to actually back in those days, she was over at my house four to five days a week. She was um, working for my mate, doing sales calls for him, and she was just doing them from our house over the phone. So whenever the baby was sleeping, she was making sales calls. So she was getting oh paid. My and oh, what a good my setup. baby! Yeah, it was great. And then my said, nice manifesting. <laughs> I really like that. Well, it was amazing. And now my mom's, you know, my mom's retired and she doesn't want to do sales calls. And <laughs> she wants to have her time off and she travels with the sun. So my mom works for me three days a week. Well, I, which is great and it's amazing. And I was still used to working whenever I wanted. So if I was inspired at five o'clock to do mm-hmm. a project, I could work for two, three hours and do a project. So for me, adjusting. Uh, you know, I'm 43 years old. I've been doing it my way for a long time. I thought, whoa, this is an eye-opener. I really need to get clear that time and space will open up for me to do what I need to do, and it has. But then again, when the second baby came, it took it to a new level. <laughs> I thought, well, i got to relearn <laughs> this again. <laughs> so I'm just now at the point where it it feels fine, and it is a dance. It really is a dance. Um I am probably a lot more resistant than most people because I just I'm real protective of my time. I like my freedom. I like to do what I want to do when I want to do it. So I really have to trust wholeheartedly that time and space will open up or I will do things faster than I thought. So if I think that, you know, this project's going to take me 3 hours and I only have an hour, I just set my intention that I will be very inspired. It will go quicker than I want, you know, than I think, and it will be amazing. The, the finished product will be great. So wow. I do a lot of intending, and if I didn't know law of attraction, I could. I don't think I could do this. Yeah. I really don't, because I would just be in reaction mode all the time, and I would be a stress case. Well, it's what we see happening with many women with jobs and relationships and 
yeah, lots of priorities going on in stress cases. So being really intentional with your thoughts and giving universe clear instructions. I, I love that time and space will open up for me. Definitely going to be borrowing that thing. <laughs> yeah, so it's really important to know that. I think that's the other piece of business is knowing if whatever I'm focused on is the perfect thing for me to be doing right now, even if it wasn't on the to-do list for today. It's really mm-hmm. trusting that whatever you're doing in the moment is the very thing that you, you know, is the perfect and ideal thing that you should be working on. From If you're choosing something that you really want to do, because every day I start out, I put my, you know, I use Stephen Covey's Six Big Rocks. I choose my six things I'm going to focus on for the day. And sometimes I veer off into no man's land and choose to do something that wasn't on the list. That happened to me last week. I thought, today's the day. I'm inspired mm-hmm. to go put makeup on. I'm going to actually do a video. I've been ah. saying I need to do the video. I'm going to go do the video because that is something I do not make time for. It's not a priority. Mm-hmm. And I said, shut, okay, I just got to set aside. I was supposed to be, you know, recording all these audios today. I'm going to go do video. And I just really trusted it. And I'm really glad I did. But huh. sometimes the things that we end up doing, we get on ourselves and we make ourselves feel bad because we think we should be doing something else. And there's nothing worse for your business and money mojo, right, than yeah. putting pressure on yourself that you should be doing something else or forcing yourself to do something that your your head's not into. Right on. Well, that's one of the other things I wanted to ask you was, what do you see as the most common, the most typical obstacles that business owners or even just people who are looking to manifest money in their world experience, even deliberate creators? I think that as soon as someone is hooked on money, it becomes the obstacle to all success. Mm -hmm. You know, once we get in the fearful place that we think that, oh, my gosh, there's been a dry spell for a day, or I haven't had a new client in a month, or I'm not meeting my goals, or... Um, I just can't do this. I I think I'm going to have to foreclose on my house. And as soon as we get caught in that spin cycle, it is. It's like game over. And you have to do whatever you have to do in those moments to get relief. And I think that the very thing that we should do sometimes, which is get support, is the thing that we don't do. Yeah, no doubt. We circle in our brain. We stress out. We're not talking to anybody to get any relief or support. Um, we're not hiring a coach who could soothe you. You're not taking the time to, you know, do the things that we've been told when you know law of attraction. You know, people always hear, go take a walk in the park, go listen to music, go to a movie. You're like, no, I can't possibly do that right now. I've got to do something about my business. And that's the exact time you should not. You're going to go poison your business and mess uh-huh. up the vibration with that if you bring all your stress into it. That's why in the beginning of the call I said, You've got to keep money over here on the right and your business is on the left because if you have a, any tension in either one of those places, it impacts the other. And it's like this really bad disease that goes, you know, it goes to that death place quick. <laughs> it's going to uh-huh. cause a casualty. So if you're strung out about your business and you're flustered, you definitely don't want to focus on money. And if you're flustered about money, you definitely don't want to go focus on business when you tie the two together. So if this, go ahead. Well, I was going to say this applies even if someone was listening to this call and their thing is relationships, you could substitute whatever it is that you want for money, right? And this this wisdom applies across the board. Yes. Last night I was I seriously wanted to, you know, have it out with my mate. I was really getting exactly what I didn't want and I was in a tizzy about it. 
and I was really clear that I, I wanted to teach him what he should do in terms of being a parent. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> Okay, clearly, this is the time to not communicate. I need to get in the car. I need to go be distracted. So I said, I'm going to go to my mom's. My mom is one of the most jolly people I know. And I said, she'll completely distract me. Heck, within a half an hour, I wasn't upset anymore. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go home. And I'm not even going to discuss what the issue was. And in the past, that would have been all I could think about. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to tell him how it is. I'm going to t- I'm going to try to convince him to do it my way. He's got to learn what's right. You know, I would have had all these other strategies about how I was going to get my way. And the truth is, is the only way to get my way is to enjoy what I'm doing and not have that conversation, not do something about the problem until my head's in the right place and I'm not trying to, you know, control the situation. So, yeah. This applies across the board, but we forget it in business. I think it's easy to to forget the stuff in business because we are, we've been taught that it's all about doing the right stuff. And if you do the right stuff and you do the right marketing and you communicate what you're doing in the right way and you have a great conversation with someone, then that's how you're going to get clients and customers. And that's not true. Yeah, not true at all. (laughs) All right. So um, based on something you said earlier, I had a follow-up question for you on goals because I know some people deliberate creators can get tripped up on this topic when they're wondering should they set specific goals or not and how to manage it when it looks like they're not going to hit it. (laughs) Um, I do think it's important to create real clear goals. So get clear on the goal and then I don't think it's important to pay a lot of attention to it all the time. It's again going back to when you're in the mood then go back to a particular goal. Like I, I had this I had this issue yesterday. I thought, wow, I've got some huge expenses this month. And we're right in the middle of now we just had a landscape designer come over, which I'm very excited about. And we're going to do some really big stuff in our backyard, including a backyard office cottage for me. Oh! I know, a dream come true. I'm thinking, really? This is going to happen now? This is so exciting. So you know, I, I got tripped up about, wow, this is this month is not plugging along as fast as I, I need it to. I got some big expenses coming up. And I thought, okay, maybe I should sit down and I think I will look at all all the expenses that are coming up so I know how much money I need to manifest. And I instantly felt that resistance mm-hmm. coming in. So I said, back off, go to the bigger goal. Thirty grand a month, that's all you care about right now. Just you just need thirty grand. Don't worry about the details. Now, thirty grand is actually not what I need. My goal for this year is seven figures. Oh, now, do I care about making seven figures? Hell yes, I want to make seven figures. Seven <laughs> figures is a place I've never been. Um, I know what six figures feels like. I do not know what seven figures feels like. Um, so I actually don't know how to get there. I've never been there before. I do know it's going to take me being in the place of someone who makes seven figures. Uh-huh. I know that I can study strategy all day long, but if I don't nail down how I'm being, it ain't going to happen. Uh-huh. So for me, I just went to, rather than focusing on what I needed, the very a very clear amount for this month was, you know what, just Gina, just know that the intention right now is everything that I need will be taken care of. So in that moment where there was resistance, I couldn't go to the exact goal. It was creating tension because my mind wanted to figure out how the hell that was going to happen. How am I going to make that happen? And I would start getting uptight. And as soon as I felt like, you know what, everything I want will be taken care of, no problem, I felt that. 
So it's always going to be a dance. Mm-hmm. It's always going to be a dance. It's really nice to hear your process of managing that. Thank you for sharing that with us. So when you say get clear on the goal, how do we how does this go with our definition of success? You know, at the top of the call you had said success is not based on your production or your or your money or approval. Your success is from your enjoyment. But when we when it comes to setting goals, very often our goals are around the numbers, right? You know, yeah. whether it's the income or the audience or whatever. So it still comes back to what are the numbers that are going to make you feel good? What's going to give you joy and why? What you going, what's it going to do with your money? <laughs> you know, I know, Office cottage. <laughs> yeah, you know, when I, I, I want a lot more money than I have now. I do. I've gotten accustomed to a certain way of living, right? And then my expenses increase. So it's this forever thing about up-leveling for me. Um, I, I like the game of success. I like the game of money. I like making more. Now, that's not a motivation for everybody, and I'm not saying it should be. It naturally, I actually just like the game of business. I like to keep going bigger and seeing how much I can manifest or how easy something was. Like, let's set a goal and see if I can do it in the non-traditional way that most business owners do, and you just use law of attraction. Like, that's a, that's a game for me. Mm, right on. And I'm not saying I'm always successful at it. There are areas where I'm still, you know, like getting in alignment with what I say I want. So um, what were we talking about? <laughs> well, goals, how specific, like income goals or should the goal just be joy? But I like what you said when, you know, you when you felt that uh, coming up when, when you said, okay, I need to make enough to cover the expenses or whatever, you said, okay, go to the bigger goal and yes. to get to the ah. Uh, yeah, and that, that's fun for me. Like, am I going to, you know, perish or die if I don't make the million this year? No, I actually don't even care if I make it this year. I like the game of having to shift the way I'm thinking and thinking bigger in order to get there. I'm also thinking more strategically in my business as a result, and that's kind of fun. Not not necessarily on purpose. It's like the the inspiration is flowing through me as a result of saying I want that goal. Now, I've talked about a million for, of course, since I started the business, I wouldn't be cool if I had a million dollars. But I actually didn't. I wasn't. Uh, I, there wasn't a decision in my mind like, you know what? That's actually where I'm going now. That was a. Wouldn't that be great? Oh, so you've been. You've been. You went from flirting to claiming this. Like you've been, as Abraham would say, acclimating to this for a while. Yeah. Right Ex- exactly. It was nice, but I, I didn't. I cared about more of the immediate. You know, like, okay, I need to double my income this year. That's a big enough goal for right now. When I get that, then I'll worry about, you know, getting to a million. Million just seemed too big. And there were other things that I was focused on that seemed more important, you know, like the big goal for a while was getting pregnant. And then uh, the next goal was, okay, baby number two, that's the most important thing in my life right now. I don't give a rip about money. Money's cool, but that's like an afterthought because I'm so focused on having a baby or getting in alignment with something else. So I'm I'm always setting my me personally i'm always setting money goals but it you know it depends on the day about where's the focus on that and it's not measured my joy isn't going to be measured by if i make the million it's how i'm feeling along the way like i just love it when i feel in alignment with it i don't really care if the million comes or not it's like oh this is a fun game now that's joy but, you know, when I make up money, I'm also doing the happy dance. Don't get me wrong. I'll be happy when the money comes too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what I love is your approach of that this is a game and you're having fun with it. You're not making it a big deal. In fact, one of the, my favorite phrases I learned from you was uh, to recognize when I'm making something a big, hairy deal. And every time I recognize that, just calling it that helps me lighten up about it. Yes. 
And to also remember that this is all, everybody's everybody's trying to work it out. No one's living, you know, well, I'm sure there are some people, but the majority of people aren't living well in all areas of their life. There's all, you know, everyone's got their resistance somewhere, and everybody's playing a game. Some people got the money thing nailed down, but then they're, you know, they got health issues, so they're trying to figure that out. So if we can remember that, you know, we're not a failure if we don't have it all happening all the time. You know, we're all playing with our magic. I, I tend to create a lot of magic with health. I tend to create some really, you know, I, I create cool stuff in different areas, and then there's the areas where I'm trying to get in alignment too. So if you can remember that we're all playing that game so that we're not comparing ourselves to other people, it's just remember what's your game? What's going to be your focus this year? What, what would be the coolest things that you can imagine happening in your business? Because sometimes it's pulling off um, – you know, I know a lot of people are writing books, and that's a video. When you said video, oh my word, that was a big one for me for a long time. Writing the book, the video. Oh, video. <laughs> yeah, what was exciting about doing the video? Um, mm, to to do something that to have accomplished something that I didn't really feel confidence in. It just felt like mastery of another thing. That I mean, once upon a time, blogging was big and scary. Once upon a time. Um, telecalls were big and scary. I was a little scared when I got on the phone with you this morning because I am starstruck. But um, that's it's it's very satisfying to master those challenges. I think that's part of where the joy comes from. And I like how you said this, the joy isn't in the results; it's in the journey. And that might sound trite, but I think when we learn to practice that, it makes all the difference in the vibration. Yeah, I, I, what you just said is exactly that's how you find the joy. Is what. What's the thing that's going to get the juice in your caboose? Sometimes, you know, for people like you and I, it's just to say, like, yeah, we we push through the fear. Like, we got to the place where, yeah, right on, I conquered it. Look, it wasn't so bad. It was kind of fun. Look at me now. Look, Mom, I'm doing it. (laughs) And for other people, it will be the sense of, you know, if you're in the service industry, of bringing something out into the world in a way that you want to do it. Like, I know I used to be a person who used to cut corners because I, I like accomplishing things. That would be the driver. I just want to get it done. Or I might get bored with something or I didn't like to get into the details of it. Like, let's just get it done. Now the game is and I get a sense of satisfaction when I do it really well. Like, taking the time with this um, this this home study product that I'm creating right now is like taking the time to do it right. Now, I'm on a deadline because this is going to be the thing I'm offering in a telesummit I'm doing. And they said, they told me, Gina, the drop dead date, you have to have this, you know, accomplished and in our hands because they're actually delivering it for me. People aren't coming to my oh. sales page. So I, it's, it's a big accountability thing. Like, okay, it has to be done by this certain time. And I'm just really clear. I will get it done. Even though it seems right now physically impossible, I'm real clear it's going to get done, and it's going to be done in a way that I'm actually proud of the end result. Hmm. And that's something that gives me joy, to be able to be proud of whatever I'm offering and doing it the right way. When I say the right way, meaning a way that I look at it and say, this is so in integrity with what I want to deliver, that feels good. Hmm. So that's my sense of accomplishment. If nobody ever bought it, I wouldn't care because I'm just proud of that product. And that's what allows everyone to buy it, right? You're yes. on attachment to it being purchased. Yes. 
Now, let, let's talk about something here because this is funny because you told me you taught a class by this, but uh, the same name. But when I created this journal that I have called Speed Dial the Universe Journal, it was a totally inspired product. I thought from a business standpoint, it was a stupid thing to do. It was not, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put all this time and energy right now into this little journal, and it was a costly thing because I wanted to do it right, and I was about to give birth to my first baby, and I was also at the same time creating this um, visualization CD, again, doing it the real right way. I was in a recording studio. I didn't do it at home. I had a professional edit it all and make it beautiful, and I thought, I'm work- I'm spending, like, weeks and hours on these two products that are $20 each. Is this the smartest thing I should be doing right now? And I said, from a monetization place, hell no. But from an inspiration place, hell yes. (laughs) And so I knew it was a great decision from that place. It gave me such great joy to do it. And now I see orders coming through on a daily basis, sometimes multiple times a day. It's the first product I have ever sold on a daily basis was that Speed Dial the Universe Journal, and people love it. I get you know testimonials coming in every day. Now and you're getting them in the chat room too right now. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> and what's interesting is because of that, it, now a twenty dollar product, unless I sell a whole lot of twenty dollar products, it's not going to make me rich. But what it does do is. It keeps me inspired about money. It keeps me inspired about, like, oh, yes, look, it proved that I can actually have orders coming in on a daily basis without actually promoting something. So that was a fun game, and it gave me a breakthrough in that sense because what I noticed before was, hmm, I attach promoting something to making money on it. And so I always have to going to have to be promoting out their products or else no one's ever going to buy them. And I noticed that product sales were always slow. All the, my revenue was always coming from me being in front of people, whether it was a teleclass or coaching. So mm-hmm. in a sense, it was my breakthrough moment um, when I created that. And it's also obviously turning people on to me in a way that, mm-hmm. oh, I'll spend $20 to go get this yep. thing. And people say, oh, I love it. What else does she have on her side? Or let me know more about her. So mm-hmm. in the end, it actually is drawing more money to me in a bigger way because it's an entry point for people to get turned on about my work, even though it's a journal and it's not real, not really content-heavy. So in the end, it does put a lot of money in my pocket. Well, there's a, you, you shared a couple of nice nuggets there. One was go with the joy over what makes, quote-unquote, sense. Yes, so important. And, yeah, and, um, oh, and there was something else in there that I, that I thought was really helpful as well. I think um, it's also understanding that, you know, we get attached to the only way for us to make our big money is if we offer this or, or something at this price point or if I do it in this way. And really trusting that, that thing that gives you so much joy, um, because you're in love with it and you're actually enjoying what you're doing, now you are just a vibrational match to money, period. But also, it, it makes you understand that sometimes the money will come in in a way that you weren't expecting so if you can just be really unattached to the way, the money's going to come in in all sorts of different places. It's just going to be, you know, like to your left, to your right, behind, down below. <laughs> right on. I, Gina, I know I'm not the only one wondering when that home study course is going to be available. <laughs> <laughs> well, can you give us an idea? It's going to be done by the 27th, come hell or high water. Um, I, I may not get it on my site until next month. It's going to, um, It's a home study version of a live class that I do that seemed to get a pretty good response. 
and it's called Business RX, as in business prescription. Mm, right on. Yes. So I'm do, I could have done it the easy way, which I thought about would have been smart if I was really trying to leverage my time, which is, hey, go take the audios from the live class and just turn it into a product. But something inside me just said, no, re-record it, redo the content in a way that's totally perfect, you know, in terms of this is what I want to make sure is there. And then I took clips from the live class to go in there. So, again, you got to go what rings true for you, and in the end it will serve you well. So sometimes it won't make business sense. It won't make, you know, if somebody came in and was doing consulting with you, they would say, that is not smart. And you could say, well, I checked in with my inner guidance, and it is smart. So this is <laughs> that might actually be the answer to the question that Dana's asking in the chat room about pricing products. How do you land on the right price for your services or your products? I always do what feels good. Always. That is, my, that is the litmus test. If it feels good, then that's the price it's going to be. And I've even done stuff where I've started out with a, a price that was large, you know, in terms of what other people were doing, and then later it felt good to back off. So, you know, sometimes down the road, you know, a product that might have been $300 in the beginning is now going for $99 because that's just what feels right to me. I love that you don't put any constraints around yourself as far as what makes sense for it. Um, I know some people do get caught up in comparing themselves to others. I know I did recently as well when I saw my fellow master coaches and fellow law of attraction coaches charging, you know, 350 to 500 per session. And I did that. And But this phrase kept running through my head, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And I realized, yeah, I, that it was my ego, really. My, I just didn't want to be the cheap coach. And then I hired a coach recently who was incredibly reasonable. And I loved that feeling of ease and accessibility. And it just felt like, oh, I don't ever, I don't have to... I don't have to watch the calendar. Like, I could hire her as much as I wanted to, and I wanted my clients to have that same experience with me, so I dropped my rates because it felt good. So That's for me, it, it's been that process of, you know, sometimes they go up and sometimes they go down, and I'm sure they'll go up again sometimes. Yes, and it, it runs the opposite, too. Sometimes you'll blow away the competition with the price that you want to charge. I remember when I first started charging $1,000 a month for coaching, that was not the norm. I mean, now people charge a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. But back then, people were like, what? All my fellow coaches are, you crazy? I said, that's, but that's what I dreamed about when I dreamed about having a practice. I dreamed about having 10 clients, working with them very intimately at $1,000 each. And I don't I don't want to feel pressured by, okay, i got to get my next mm-hmm. client. Sorry, client, I know you just said something important, but we got to hang up. Talk to you next mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to do that. And at the time, I didn't think I was crazy. And I wasn't actually even – I was nervous because I was raising my prices from $350 a month to 1000 So it was a really big jump. And I ended up doing it um, in segments. You know, I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise it in $100 increments from each, for each new person who inquires about coaching. And it didn't feel good to raise my prices on the clients who had been with mm-hmm. me. So I didn't. Mm-hmm. And right on. You know, once I filled up the practice, um, it's become the norm now that a lot of people who thought I was crazy have now surpassed me. You know, they're charging a lot more. Now, I charge a little bit more than that now, but I don't, like you, I don't, I have no need, I have no desire, I don't even care about raising my prices higher at this point. John, wow. That's super inspiring about, yeah, where to price things with what feels good. Zero other factors coming into play. Yes, and you don't. And for those of you, I know a lot of people because a lot of I'm sure the the people that you attract, Jeanette, really care 
about what they're delivering, mm-hmm. and they want to do the best that they can do. And I, but sometimes I see people saying, but I don't have the experience, or I don't know how, or I don't know if it's that good yet. It doesn't matter if what you're delivering is great or it sucks. <laughs> the truth is, is mm-hmm. you have to charge what feels good. You know, it could be crap compared to some of the competition, but if you like what you're offering and you have a specific price that feels good, if you don't charge the price that feels good, it actually is going to decrease your sales. It's just going to. Good pricing actually attracts good, solid money coming in the door because you're aligned with whatever you're charging. So that just in itself will attract more people to you. And you said something else there that feels important as far as, feeling good about what you're offering yeah you have to feel good you have to do it in a way if you're giving a service in a way that feels good to you as well as the potential customers you can't if you if you're constantly catering to the clients there's going to come a time where you think this is not working for me why did I set it up this way I'm kind of feeling like I'm getting dragged around here and you're going to end up blowing up so you have to make sure it feels good for you and it feels good for them. And it's the same with product. You have to deliver it in a way that feels good for you. If you're a person who's analytical and you like a lot of content and you wouldn't feel good giving a toned-down version, then don't. You will attract clients who love it. And there are clients like me who don't like to read a lot of content. Give me the bullet mm-hmm. points, please. Mm-hmm. Give me mm-hmm. the bottom line. I get that. Yeah, no doubt. All right, another question in the chat room about um, promotion. Um so you had said something that you used to have this belief that if you don't promote it, it, it you know, the promotion is required for it to sell. Yeah. Um, it says some, the comment is, say more about if I don't promote it, it won't fill. You have to, vibrationally, the first step is always to imagine that you're having a grand opening for something. So on a virtual level, you know, see it in your head that you have a, you know, have a spot, a searchlight out front that is glowing out into the universe so people can see you like, hey, I'm over here, right here, grand opening, and that you have the red carpet rolled out and there's an open sign, you know, blinking on and off in the front window. Like, imagine that virtually that that's what's happening. So vibrationally, you are saying, I'm right here. See me? I'm loud and proud. And if you do that internally, you will naturally either be inspired to promote whatever you're promoting in a way that attracts people or they'll start coming in the back door and then they'll say, oh, I didn't know you were here. Here you are, and you'll be selling it anyway. (laughs) So you don't ever have to promote, but what I notice is is when I'm excited about something, I naturally want to promote it. But when I promote something thinking like, Gosh, I haven't sold any of those in a while. I really need to promote that. I need to get sales with it. Or I'm going to do this big launch because I need money. It usually is so-so results or non-existent results. That, that's what I see a lot of people doing. They see what others are doing, and they, they use that as their template for how they go about making their services or product known rather than starting from that vibrational place you know, of, of imagining what you want and you know, getting your energy aligned before you listen for inspiration about what feels good. Yes, and even if you're working with a coach or you're, I know a lot of people, um, you know, I know I have a lot of clients who are doing masterminding with somebody else or they're doing marketing over here with somebody else. And, you know, I had a marketing mentor, uh, was it last year? Yeah, all last year. There are times when she was telling me the stuff to do, I said, I am not doing that. And she said, well, then you're not going to make any money. I said, well, (laughs) yes, uh, I'm going to be your black sheep of the family here because I'm not doing that. 
And then lo and behold, what would be funny is I would end up doing what she said, but in a different way and in a way and timing that felt good to me. And then it was like, oh, I can totally get behind this. Mm, right on. But not in the way that she was telling me. And if I did it in the way she was telling me or I felt like I had to do it, come on. We all know uh, from law of attraction that was not going to support me. <laughs> just not. <laughs> so we have to okay. even have to take the, you know, I'm not saying don't, don't go take a class on marketing because I – I take so much stuff on market. I loved learning about marketing, but I'm always doing it in a way that fits with my style. And I think it's better when we're, sometimes when we use information, it's just tucked in the back of our head, knowing that our inner guidance is going to pull from that file of content in the perfect moments rather than trying to fit what you're doing within that template. You start getting in your head, and now you're disconnected from your heart, and it starts becoming hard. Oh, I get it. I get that. Um, another question in the chat room, can, you ex can we explore some unorthodox ways for promotion? And I was also wondering about um, the, the thing I, I notice a lot of people doing is asking others about their offering. Like, you know, do you think this will work or uh, does this look good to you? And I'm wondering the, whether that's super helpful because – if we truly believed in it ourselves, we wouldn't care what someone else thought, or is it wise to run something by some of your potential prospects and get their take on it? What do you practice, Gina? Um, I do both. I I know if I want to do something, but usually when I want feedback, what I'll say, because I know myself, I, I tend to, my mind works really fast, like even when I'm writing emails, I I don't. I tend to read them before I shoot them off, and then people are like, "What? What did you just say? Like you left ten words out, Gina? I don't even know what you just." <laughs> like, oh, really? You can't read my mind. So a lot of times I'll ask for feedback. Is this clear, or is there a better way to to make this more clear? Because I know I was also, I'm so I believed in something so heartedly. Like I think that you all should get what I'm saying. Uh -huh. So a lot of times it wasn't clear in my writing or I wouldn't make – I would talk esoterically, you know, or I would talk around it not giving clear benefits. So I know from asking from feedback, for feedback, people would say, well, I'm not really sure on this. This part isn't clear. And I'd say, oh, I, okay, I get it. I need to make bullet points or I need to make this more clear. I'm talking all around it, but I'm not saying it directly in a way that the average person can understand. If you're but a client, you're going to understand what I'm saying, but – but it doesn't sound like you've ever been talked out of whatever you were inspired by. Like no one ever said to you, well, that's an awful idea. What were you thinking? No, because I was so clear that it was going like, to, I liked it. So, of course, it's going to work. Yeah. I remember Russell Crowe saying that once in an interview that, you know, he believed that just because he did the movie, we should all know that it's going to be good. <laughs> and at first that sounded really cocky, but I kind of get it. <laughs> yeah, I think that delivering it, sometimes I notice, because, of course, people are always asking me for feedback. Can you go look at my website? Can you look at this? And I will just give, first I always ask, I, I, I always know if they're asking me, usually they're not 100% behind it. There's yeah. That's all I'll say, well, what do you think you should do? Is there something that you kind of been, like, you intuitively you know you need to shift about it? And then I'll give direct feedback. Like, first of all, I don't feel like this feels like you. Or if it had a theme, you know, if it were a party, what would the theme be here? And are you in alignment with that? Are you? Does that look like a party on your website to me? No, you're, you're, I'm falling asleep while I'm looking at it. You must be falling asleep too. <laughs> um, but I, th I think it is good, good to ask for feedback. But not for – if you feel it's inspired and it's good, then it's going to work. The truth is is your ideal clients are always going to love what you do. 
that we always want to be looking at. If there's a way to improve it, we want to be inspired to make the improvements that will attract our ideal clients. And it shouldn't feel like work. You should feel like you want to do it, even the right. improvements. Okay, so I kind of glossed over the question from the chat room about unorthodox ways of promoting yourself. Do you use primarily, like, the traditional stuff that, that I mean, is that what feels best to you, or do you do anything super out of the ordinary that works really well? Um, well, I don't think there's anything that's unorthodox. If you're true to your values, you'll never do anything that's, you know, it'll just be an extension of you. I personally like to use um, crazy, like, bold, you know, in-your-face stuff a lot. So I used to like, I like to do a play on words, and that seems to work for me. I don't, I think I do a lot of what feels good, and then I take bits and pieces from the marketing that's out there. I tend to leave out a lot of stuff I see that other people mm-hmm. are doing because it just it feels cheesier. It feels like I'm trying to do the pitch. It's like everybody's going to know I'm just trying to pitch here. Why don't I just be out front about it and be casual mm. and easy? Because that's more mm. of who I am. I can't I can't do something formal. I'm not formal, so it won't feel like me, and it will just feel incongruent. You know, your mm. brand and who you are should be kind of the same. Everything yeah. is going to be an extension of you, and then it will work. So, well, that's definitely what I find so attractive about you, and and what you offer that um, informal. It, it's so appealing. I just, yeah, really. really and, and it's appealing to you because we're in alignment with each other. And there are other people like I. I coach a producer at ESPN, and she's so been trying to get me on their official, you know, ESPN approved coaches. And they had an interview with me, and I'm going to tell you, I felt like I was being scrutinized. And I kept thinking, I want to do work within ESPN for their teams because I know that that would be a great thing, and I know the inside scoop, and it would be really helpful. And it was so um, uncomfortable for me. I knew it wasn't a right fit, and I was so clear that they were not digging on me. I was so casual. They were looking for these, like, I help people get, you know, 30% more in their results. And I'm like, I told them, I said, I know you're looking for these concrete things, and I just can't give them to you. So I knew it wasn't a fit for them. You know, I'm not, my style's not going to work for everybody, and I don't want everybody. And neither hey, do you. Amen. Wait to stay true to yourself. Yeah. So, And that's how we all want to be. Just know that your ideal clients are going to love whatever you do, so you might as well just be loud and proud, even if you're quirky, and I am definitely quirky. you just got to be it's got to be more of you, and it's going to be a perfect fit. So. Right on. Well, that, that feels like good wisdom to end our call on, but I, wanted, I would love for you to tell us, where can we plug into you right now? I know we're waiting for your home study course, but what else would you like us to know about what you're offering? You know, there's a, especially if you, if you don't know who I am, there is a free CD that you can download at my site. I think it's about 45 minutes, and it's all about how to break the fun back into your business and the, doing that dance between the being and the doing. I think you'll get a lot of great value in it. And um, at the end of it, there's an offer for a free strategy session with me. So Wow. So there oh you go. God. Very cool. And that's at masterpiececoaching.com? Mm-hmm. Yes. P-E-A-C-E. You got it. Inner peace, baby. Girlfriend. <laughs> so much fun to spend time with you. Thank you for giving us this time and making yourself available to us. You were super fun, as always. Oh, well, it was my delight, and it's fun to see it come full circle. You are everywhere. People come to me and go, yeah, um, you know, how did I learn about Lava Track? Oh, I love Jeanette. Mom, I'm like, I know Jeanette. <laughs> I'm responsible for Jeanette. <laughs> 
Very cool. All right. Well, um, I want to thank everyone who joined us on the call and who is listening to the recording and invite you to check out Gina's work. She is life-changing. And I think primarily, Gina, because you walk the talk better than anyone that I know. Oh, so thank you. thank you for the gift you bring all of us. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Gina. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye.